Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters from SelfishGiving.com and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio and online with me is the woman who had the first snowfall of the year, Megan Strand. Hi. I can inform. Wow, I had my own personal snowfall. I did yesterday. Dude, I mean, I saw the pictures on your Facebook page and stuff like that, all the kids and the dog out there running around. Nothing like nothing like snow in November. November. Absolutely. Well, I'm <laughs> psyched to be here. That. I know, I know. But it won't last long, right? I know. It's gone already. Now, the person we have on the line is actually in your neck of the woods. So I maybe know. he got some snow, too. So on the line with us right now is Russell Sparkman, who is CEO and content strategy for Fusion Spark Media. Hey, Russell. How's it going? It's going very well. Good. And, and did uh, you get snow? Yeah, we're up. We're we're on Whidbey Island in Puget Sound, a little bit north of where Megan is. So we're uh, our maritime climate here means that we don't get that much snow out here, but we can see it on the mountains. That's right. That's right. You can see it all over Megan's house. <laughs> where you are. So were people dancing around your house singing, do you want to build a snowman? Maybe? Oh, my, my children were outside at like 7 a.m. trying to catch the ice flakes that were falling. And we actually did have a snowball fight with our family. So that was pretty funny. That's good. And you know what she had too, Russell, is she had a snow day from school too. So they, I didn't have a snow day. They got to spend the whole day together. Nice. <laughs> Hey, well, Russell, thanks so much for joining us today. And we're really excited to have you on because I was um, really excited to read a new report uh, that FusionSpark, BlackBot, and the Content Marketing Institute has put together called Nonprofit Content Marketing 2015 Benchmarks, Budgets, and Trends. And that has something that has just come out. You'll see it in the show notes for the show. Uh, but Russell, I was hoping you could tell us um, a little bit about that report, but we know it's about content marketing. So I thought I'd ask you the first question uh, of the day is, what is content marketing and why do we need a report like this? Um, well, thank you for the question. And it, when people ask me that question recently, I've been responding by saying, you know, what is the definition of, or what is content marketing? I say it's inevitable. It's inevitable. <laughs> That's your answer. Period. It's inevitable. Period. It's inevitable. Megan, um, it's like our success. It's inevitable. Period. Exactly. Um, but to you know further sort of refine and explain that the reality of the world we're in today is that um, you know all brands, nonprofits, etc. They have uh, 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 multiple ways of in, in which they are engaging with people, multiple channels, multiple platforms, and so forth and so on. And if you do not have content within those channels, then, then what do you have? You have nothing. So it is in, it, that's why it's inevitable that you will be doing, even if you may not even be referring to it as content marketing, mm. be using content to build relationships, relationships that lead to whatever you know desired outcomes you have as an organization, whether it's selling a product or increasing awareness uh, or moving somebody down the path of supporting a cause. Um, so that's you know, that's sort of my uh, not flip answer. I think it's a very yeah. real answer. But then the actual definition is that it is a strategic marketing approach, and it's based on creating and distributing content that's valuable, that's relevant, consistent to, to build 
and and engage with an audience and mm -hmm. and ultimately and this is really important ultimately to drive an action um, really good content strategy really good content marketing best practices start essentially by you know engineering backward from what some desired outcome or action is so that what you end up doing is creating content not just for content's sake mm -hmm. but for for driving a specific action so it's it, when i think of it russell i think one and based on what you just said too is i think of it as a pull strategy in that you are attracting people uh to your business or organization and then what you're producing is very audience focused and that's what kind of creates a connection um, yeah that audience audience focus that you're you're talking about is um, you know focused on, on making yourself very relevant to a target audience based on addressing the content to their problems their wants their their needs etc so from that point of view Joe yeah exactly it's very mm -hmm audience focused and, and very audience driven but at the same time you know what's interesting in the conversation around all this is you know that that's also true of marketing 101 going back decades yep. so then so then we get the question so why is this any different well the difference is uh, on the the role and the responsibilities of the organization to actually start to as you know, as we say in sort of a somewhat shortened phrase, um, uh, basically think like marketers but act like publishers, and it's mm -hmm. that latter part <laughs> that people have had the greatest challenge wrapping their heads around, and in particular the non the from our point of view the nonprofit space. Yeah. Be before we got on the phone, you mentioned that there was one very important thing that can sort of make or break your content marketing success. Talk about that. What is that? Well, what what the what we've seen in our practice, and as I shared with you, we've been basically doing this approach for a decade and a half. Um, what we've seen in our practice and what is now supported in particular, um, well, it started, we started to see this in the 2014 survey, and it's even strong, more strongly indicated in this year's survey, is that um, the most effective um, uh, pr best practices across the board are supported by first having a written and documented content strategy. Mm -hmm. It, 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 that written and documented content strategy becomes your the organization's north star, mm -hmm. and without and, and without it, then what you end up having, what I like to say, you end up having a lot of random acts of marketing. <laughs> yeah, which you know you could probably well understand. It's sort of like, well, yeah. I think I think maybe I'll write about this today, or maybe oh, this looks like an interesting article, and maybe I'll share this via my Twitter feed. Um, there's a lot of random acts of marketing out there and the study and the the survey results indicate that not only is having a written and documented content strategy essential but then it also has to have sort of the part B attached to it which is you have to have the organizational um, capacity uh, mm -hmm. commitment and so forth and so on to actually follow through with it yeah Actually, I want to dig into that a little bit more. Talk about what components exist in a written, solid content strategy plan. Mm -hmm. 
One of the, the things that is um, absolutely essential, if you go back to the, the, the definition that I was describing and, and that point I made about engineering backward from desired outcomes, so one of the, one of the first components of it is based on doing um, a, a certain amount of analysis and insight, you work, you work either as an organization internally or, or you know, the way we work with a, uh, as an agency with an organiz organization, you work toward a, identifying priority desired outcomes. So as an example, we've just finished with a, 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 a new nonprofit client. Um, we're just finishing up getting them through the first phase of this. And when you, when you do it, you can list out in a meeting, you can list out 30 desired outcomes pretty quickly for a lot of organizations. But the reality is you need to get that down to the top three to top five priority desired outcomes because you know, issues such as limitations of human and financial resources, yeah. you know, means that you can only, you know, really truly address three to maybe five top priority outcomes. Um, so once you have, so, so this process of, of, of determining the desired outcomes, uh, prioritizing them builds, you know, for the team, for the organization, et cetera, builds consensus, okay. Um, the ship's leaving port, and this is the direction we're heading in. Okay, and then from there you can do goal setting, and then from the goal setting and the content strategy process, you can then begin to plan out what types of content you need to create. Okay, what type of original content do you need to create? But then also you can begin identifying, you know, sources of content that you can curate, which is, you know, what is contextually relevant content that's published elsewhere that we can pull into our website, into mm. our, uh, yeah. you know, e Which is critical for nonprofits too, Russell, right? I mean, in terms of people who don't have a lot of times, curating content is one of the easiest things they can do. Right. And it's, it's critical for, it's, it's critical across the board. Mm -hmm. um, so nonprofits, um, B2B and B2C, you know, they, they all have that same issue. Nobody has, um, I, I put up a slide in, in our presentations and, and I say, raise your hand if this statement is true. I have unlimited human and financial bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone raises their hand every last person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to dig a little bit back into the priority outcome. So yeah. are these... Are these content outcomes like I want people to comment on my Facebook page or are they I want people to donate? It's more the latter, Megan. Um, it's it's more of the it's more along the lines of the things that the organization needs to achieve to be successful. And then you create a content plan to help achieve those goals. So, for instance, you know, um, I, it, it, and, and by the way, one thing that we've seen a lot with this process is that um, it often brings people, the organization, depending on how big it is, but um, it also, it, it often brings people together within the organization um, in a way that makes them realize that this is a lot bigger than just getting likes and shares. Right. That your content strategy uh, effectively begins to define um, a lot of things about the business of the organization as well. 
Um, so you, to your point, uh, you know, uh, like, for example, fundraising, if fundraising is, you know, the number one top priority outcome and desired outcome, and often, you know, for nonprofits, small and large, uh, if they are fundraising driven organization, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty obvious. Right. Okay. Well, so you get everybody on board that fundraising is, is really important. Well, just the way that that begins to influence everything, let's say starting from, from the homepage of the website, you know, it means that content right from the get go is associated with calls to action to give and so forth and so on. So that might sound pretty obvious, but you know, then there's the, uh, the then there's the other two, three or four or five, um, uh, you know, top priorities. Um, one of them that's really common that we like to encourage people to think about is the idea of becoming the definitive resource mm. on the subject that you, that you cover. And content is an incredible way to, you know, basically, from the get-go of saying, you know, we are going to be as a desired outcome the definitive resource on this subject matter, um, then that really helps to to steer the content plan. And what it does from a competitive point of view, because, comp, uh, you know, nonprofits is, are are as much in a competitive space as as any other organization, you know, traditional or or typical profit organization. From this point of view, you're you're in competition with everything else out there. Yep. You know. And you uh, know, but one thing I wonder, Russell, with the with the strategy like that, and one of the things I've even had challenge with my clients and talking to them about this is they say, "Well, I can be the content leader in something like that, but won't my competitors just come in and use my content or steal my content? Don't I want to put that behind a, a wall or a membership room or something like that? How do you respond oh, to people like that? That's a good question. Well, you know, you put content, there, there's certain ways, boy, there's several answers to that. There's certain ways in which you address sort of, uh, keeping premium content, let's say, behind a sign up wall. Right. Um, and you know that's going to be in one way or, or another. Sort of, it's kind of like the CMI Blackbot Fusion Spark, you know, report that you were referring to earlier. Um, you know, that's a that's a PDF that's pretty heavily branded. So, um, guess what? If somebody shares that within their uh, their blog post, you know, via the SlideShare embed. Mm -hmm. code. Um, well, you know, that our branding's attached to that and that's right. what we want to have happen. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing about, the other thing I like to say about content curation mm -hmm. is that it can't exist without content creation. It just doesn't, it, it can't happen, right? Right. So why not actually have as, uh, you know, here's a potential desired outcome and related to becoming the definitive resource is that you end up seeing your brand, your byline, what have you, um, shared extensively uh, across the you know social networks and so forth and so on, because you did take that step to produce. Yeah, and you know what I think too, Megan and Russell is like the benefits outweigh the risks on something like that. Absolutely. And you know, you make some great points there too in terms of how people have to use content. But you know, what you find with a lot of organizations too is they just don't have the desire, the aptitude, the resources to do what you're doing. And so that's why it's such an uh, important commitment up front to make that commitment that you're going to do it right. 
Uh, you're you're right, and this goes back to something I was saying in answer to one of Megan's questions about you know strategy and outcomes, desired outcomes. You know, I said this 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 can have an impact on the organization, the way it does business, and that is another um, and really really key factor involved here. And this is related to that inevitable you know response I gave earlier. Mm-hmm. You cannot take you know your typical nonprofit the way it is structured now mm-hmm. and just add all this stuff to the plates of all your existing staff volunteers etc right. yep. uh, you know because it's not an add-on there's just no way in which people can do their sort of normal um, job description and then add on all of this and so from the board of directors down mm-hmm. You know, you have to have buy-in and support of this so that roles and responsibilities of people in the organization from the executive director down mm-hmm. can be adjusted so that you can better leverage, you know, these approaches. And, and, and you know, not everybody wants to hear that. that that's talking about organizational, <clears throat> yep. organizational change. Excuse me. Yeah, because nonprofits think, oh, I can just get in on this. I can, I, I, I can do it, and I can, you know, I can have my uh, my CFO writing the blog. And, and it's just like you don't, you know. I mean, not only is it is a challenge maybe for that person because that's not what they do every day, but they just may not be good at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's a, a real problem. It needs to be done in a certain way. Um, so you really do need those types of skilled professionals. And you know what I think, Megan and Russell, and I want to see whether you agree with me on this or not, is when I talk to nonprofits, you know, and they're overwhelmed by what they need to do, is I always tell them, one, they need to focus on having an impact, right? They need to make sure that they're having an impact in the community and they're accomplishing their mission in the boldest way possible. The second most important thing for nonprofits is that they need to communicate that impact. They need to let people know. And what I believe in the next decade is that content and marketing and communication are actually going to trump fundraising in the priorities of good nonprofits because they're going to get it that when they do that marketing and communications well in that content marketing, they're going to be more successful with fundraising. Do you two agree with that? Uh- Go ahead, Megan. I was just going to say, I agree, but I think one sort of feeds into the other. And I would be curious from Russell's perspective, we've talked a ton about being resource constrained and you offered one tip about curating other content as part of your content strategy. But what else are you, what else are you telling people to do to increase the efficiency of the content that they do have as far as I'm assuming there's some repurposing of content that happens, but what do you advise people to do to kind of stretch their content? I'm, I'm just writing a note here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're bombarding you with too many questions. To something. Um, here's an, here's an example of, uh, first of all, what I'd like to, to say to that is that the content strategy process, um, is a process of elimination and not really adding on. Hmm. So going back to that, that and, and, and so that means, you know, really doing the, the hard work of, of getting to the point of saying, okay, for the coming year, this is exactly what we're going to do, and we're not going to get distracted by the next, you know, bright, shiny object and, hmm. and so on. Um, so, so that's one answer I have to the efficiency. Um, we have an interesting, um, very current, it's going on last week and this week with a client and it has to do 
with an event that's coming up next month and it's it's a big event for them it's let's just mm -hmm. say it's a like many it's a, it's the big annual event mm -hmm. and they want it they, they 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 and they're they're understanding you know the need to in the coming year have essentially a, an editorial calendar a pipeline of content that's consistently and persistently published in the coming year so they have all of these important people coming together for this event and they, they um, asked us to put together a, a, a budget to shoot interviews and so forth and so on at the, at the event. And it was interesting when we put the budget for the video in front of them, one of the responses we got was, you know, this video budget is out of scale or out of proportion to the cost of the event itself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... And I said, yes, <laughs> here's, here's the thing for nonprofits, especially <clears throat> when you look at your big events now, what are they? They are absolutely one of the best opportunities to capture content to use for the following year. Right. So that investment in video on that event can, can it pay off, you know, in co content dividends for the following year. Um, and then, so so look at the, the the events you have as opportunities to create great video. And then from there, you know, each video has opportunities to be cut into shorter pieces. Yeah. You have opportunities to perhaps create written blog posts based on a on a short piece of of, of video from an event, um, and so forth and so on. So the efficiency comes in, uh, you know, strategically looking at so your big content investments, how to utilize them over the coming year, um, and then what are the ways in which you can multi-purpose that content. Yeah. That's great advice. Absolutely. Russell, I want to give you a chance to circle back on what you were taking notes on because we're getting to the end of the hour, but I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to finish that thought. And I think it was probably to Joe's question earlier. I think it well it was yeah. And, and Joe was mentioning, you know, the, the organizations need to you know, stay focused on making impact, mm -hmm. um, uh, and then communicating that impact. And what's you know been fascinating to watch in 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 this um, you know in the history of this is um, how reluctant nonprofits often have been to actually tell their story in really compelling yeah. ways. Mm -hmm. And so, what's in 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 the interesting thing to me is that in the B two B space, you have you know, you have everything from, you know, uh, widgets to software solutions, companies tripping over one another, trying to figure out how to become the most effective storytellers. And then, and yet within the nonprofit space, you have some of the most amazing stories yep. possible to, mm -hmm. to help, you know, uh, to, to help basically drive that impact and to then communicate about it. And, and to Joe's point, um, about trumping fundraising, you know, the communications perhaps trumping fundraising. Well, you know, I think Megan said it, you know, she, I echo what Meg, Megan said, you know, they, one, you know, definitely leads to, to the other. And what I see, particularly with the, the marketing automation solutions that exist today, is that you're able to, you're, you're better able today to attribute you know, donations and so forth and so on to specific contents or content practices, which mm -hmm. becomes very impressive when you report, you know, your end of the year results to the board of directors. So, you know, one, so content begets, 
raised funds, raised funds begets approval by board and mm. say, a director yeah. to spend more money on on content. And so um, that's why one of our, let's say, missions, uh, and in fact, it's a uh, it's a priority for us in the coming year to take this survey that came out from that we've produced. And what we would like to do is produce a set of tools that any nonprofit employee or staff or what have you can take and add their own branding to it mm -hmm. so that they can make sort of um, uh, canned presentations to executive directors and boards of directors to help explain content marketing. Oh, that's so, brilliant. Yeah, so. that's a good idea. Well, Russell, this has been so, so fantastic. And just even prepping for this interview, I, I was overwhelmed by how many amazing resources you have. So we will definitely put some of those in the show notes. But if people want to find out more about you and about FusionSpark, how would they do that? Well, you know, the website FusionSpark.com is, is a great starting point. There is uh, the e-newsletter sign up that we recommend people um, sign up for. Uh, we are working on, you know, practicing what we preach and um, working toward getting our own, you know, consistent and persistent newsletter going. One of the things that we're doing regularly are our webinars. Mm. So if you sign up for our e-newsletter, um, we're on a pretty good consistent um, pace now for a webinar per month. We're taking a break for uh, for December, but we'll be picking up again in um, in January. And the January webinar actually will be focused on mentioned earlier, which is the um, uh, leveraging events as video creation opportunities. I love that topic. I'm going to watch that one. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Joe, where can people find more about you online if they want to do that? Well, I know you're hard to find. I know, really hard to find. Well, you can find me on my blog where I have a new article for small businesses actually on picking a charity and getting involved. And uh, you can find me Minute to Minute on Twitter at Joe Waters. And also be, be sure to check me out on Pinterest, uh, pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters, where I have, gee, it must be over 3,000 examples, Megan. You just steal them of, from me. Uh, yeah, I steal them for you from <laughs> cost marketing campaigns. And they include cost marketing campaigns from Halloween, from Veterans Day, and uh, the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, so you can find all of those there. What about you, Megan? Uh, where can people find you? I try to keep up with Joe on Twitter at Megan Strand. Right. I also tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. And I blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at CauseUpdate.com. And you can also find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. We do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And we always love to hear your comments. So please weigh in at, on iTunes. And be, on behalf of Russell and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. And we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.